0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn, I'm your host, and this is a bonus episode with the one and the only Alexander John Shia, who's coming on the the podcast today to talk to us about a course he's teaching with the Shift Network. And uh, I'm excited about this course, and uh, I wanted to let you in on it because it's some really good stuff, Uh, I think, revolutionary for Christianity. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about the course, and I'm excited to share it with you. And so I'm not going to give you any details. I'm going to let him do all of that uh, in just a moment. My book, my book, friends, released on Monday uh, on Amazon. It's called Rethinking Everything, and it's about my spiritual journey from the black and white world of evangelicalism to the great wide world of color (laughs) that I find myself in today. You can find that on Amazon. Just search Glenn Siepert.com. Book that seems to be the easiest way to bring it up. Uh, Glenn Siepert book. Uh, it's secret with a P, uh, just so you know, not with a B. Some people have searched it with a B and it brings up Cards Against Humanity, <laughs> which I, I don't know, <laughs> whatever. But uh, it's kind of funny that people search my name and they're like messaging me saying, This is what comes up when I search your name. I'm like, Well, look with a P, <laughs> not with a B, and hopefully it will show up. So, Glenn Siepert book and it will pop up on Amazon. Uh, it's hardcover and softcover. The hardcover is like a three to four week delivery because it's like a it's a beta thing for the the self-publishing of Amazon, so it's not like available to everybody, and so it just takes longer for them to print it. But I looked this morning, and the uh, the softcover is like you buy it today and it ships to, you have it tomorrow if you have Prime. So uh, get on it, buy it. Uh, let me know what you think. I'd love to hear it. Uh, it took me two years to write this book, and so I'm super excited about it. I'll put the link in the show notes for you. That way you don't have to go and navigate through Amazon <laughs> to try to find it. Uh, special music today is for my friend Young Citizen, Y-U-N-G. Uh, Citizen, and I just found out he's a hip-hop artist in Charlotte, North Carolina. He's doing a show. Uh, March 6th, he's going to be opening for CeeLo Green and uh, Goody Mob. I mean, that's crazy. Like, he posted his thing today. CeeLo Green has... Three million listeners a month on Spotify, and he's opening for CeeLo. I mean, that's that's insane. Uh, download his stuff. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Music. Uh, Young Citizen Y U N G. Head over to his website. I'll put that in the link. Uh, put that in the show notes too. He's got some cool merch up there for his new, some of his new stuff he's producing. So really good stuff. Love him. He's a really good friend of mine. Uh, so support him. Download the stuff blast it from your speakers share it with your friends so all that to say my friends let's roll the tape a bonus episode with alexander john shia enjoy
1: yeah. wake up get your morning started drinking daily coffee got this money on my mind sun ain't always shining but it's brighter days ahead it's gonna get it started we can do what we want to wake up wake up get your morning started oh. drinking daily coffee got this money on my mind Ain't always shining, but it's brighter days ahead. Way up, wake up, wake up. Go. Got myself to see the big picture. You not alone, I'm right there with ya. Trust me, get up. Guess I gotta be more stricter. Keep my head up getting more slicker. I know, yeah. Hey. Got to move my feet, put in the motion. I know that every door I walk up to, is bound to open. Hello, friends, so easy, and uh, welcome back to it. the podcast. This is a bonus out.
0: episode, uh, an end of the of week release, because done really done what done? week is complete without some words of wisdom from our friend, Alexander John Shia. So, Alexander, welcome back, my friend. It's an honor to have this this time with you.
2: Hey, it's great. Do I get to be your first guest now that you're in your 40s? You are. You are the first.
0: Yes. <laughs> Welcome a to a new decade. decade, right here, right yes. here. Friends. Welcome into a new decade. Uh, I've heard good things about this decade. Am I? Is that true? Is it not true? My my
2: forties were fabulous, and I okay. wish the same for you. All right. Well, I
0: will. I will accept. You're ahead that. of me
2: because I, I I got my doctorate in my forties, and you're already a doctor. There you wow!
0: Go. I did that in my thirties. Yeah. Come on. Hey. Get on my level, Alexander. (laughs) Well, it's really good to have you here. And uh, for our listeners, I brought Alexander on the show today because he's getting ready to teach a uh, virtual course, I guess we'll call it, with uh, the Shift Network, and it's starting on Tuesday, February 1st. And uh, as someone who is part of Alexander's team and kind of handles some of the social media stuff, I speak from firsthand knowledge that I think this is going to be this course is going to change the trajectory of people's lives. And so, Alexander, I wanted to bring you on the show today uh, to talk to us about it. So I figure I'm just going to kick the ball over to you. We'll keep it super laid back if you just want to open up and share with us a little bit about this course. Well, I, I'm.
2: you know, we all know uh, what the work level t- to get to this point has been.
0: Uh, it's been just a little I, It's been just a little.
2: Uh, You you sent me that incredible Jim Carrey gift today that just, I I just, I lost it. I I needed to be on the floor laughing and that did it. Um, This is going to be an important course because it's been quite a while that I've had the chance to directly teach. Uh, And it's been so wonderful for the last few years that it's been through the books and it's been through interviews, but I have not had a chance to take people over the whole paradigm shift um, that this course is giving, not just for the gospels, but really it's a new lens on Christianity.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And I'm excited to have this chance. We already know that people from all over the world are signing up for this class and it's like, wow, I mean, that's the the new technology is to sit here and literally have people from Australia, New yeah. Zealand, uh, South America, the United States, Canada, the UK. It's like wow. Yeah. Um, anyway, and and the course will be live, but also will be recorded. But live, there is a chance in in every one of the sessions for uh, uh, in the moment Q and A.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm
2: really looking forward to having that direct experience with with people on the course.
0: Yeah. And what is the the title for the course? It's a little bit long.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to shorten it down to <laughs> it's a walk the mystical four part journey of transformation. And uh, this I, I'm going to be teaching. This map that is in and underneath Christianity. Uh, It's right at the core of the four Gospels. Uh, It is what I think early Christianity meant when they said that they were followers of the way. Mm -hmm. The way wasn't just the beautiful presence of Jesus, but they actually understood that the way had a series of sequential steps in it that you go through over and over and over again in the process of wholeness, or you might even wanna say holiness, Mm -hmm. or being a deeper follower of of Jesus the Christ. And and this map, and I I don't wanna reduce this to a therapy session, but (laughs) I think anyone who's involved in quote-unquote the 12 steps knows that there's a map. Mm -hmm. Well, where did those 12 steps come from? They actually, if you know the origins of that movement, Uh, it came, all the people who were the initial founders were Christian, and it came out of their deep Christian spirituality. They recovered something that was part of of our early tradition. And, And I'm adding to that by showing it actually was the thread that led those first of our ancestors to choose four texts and to know exactly the sequence to have them in so that um, I know many people today are questioning why did we end up with these four texts, and you know some people are like, "Was it you know ten white guys sitting on the veranda, <laughs> sitting in gin and trading these things like baseball cards?" Right. No, 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 no. I understand the question really because I was there. Yeah. But then I discovered that early Christianity received from our Hebrew mothers and fathers. Mm-hmm their understanding that the journey with God had four parts to it. Mm. And these four parts were such a fundamental practice in the Jewish tradition Mm. that that we assume that. It's like to be a follower of Jesus, we didn't need to redo the map that we already knew. We needed to add in the presence and the teachings and the life, death and resurrection of Jesus the Christ But we already had the map yeah what's so exciting and a little bit frustrating for me today is people don't know the map yeah um and and what happens to us when we don't have a map a lot of what i see today we get discouraged Um, we think are we on the path or off the path or or we despair and we stop the journey um, or we exhaust ourselves wondering when we're going to get to the destination. Uh, the map is not the full part of the practice. We still have to walk it. But boy, is it help!
0: Yeah, there's so much there to unpack because I know for a lot of our listeners, and, I, and certainly for myself, like going to Bible college and seminary, like the, the Gospels were mainly just four biographies about Jesus written by four people who are just trying to relay the words and actions of Jesus. And it's like, you know, this one is a little bit different from this one because this guy saw it a little bit different and this guy remembered it a little bit different. But at the end of the day, we can take them all, we can mash them together to make one story of Jesus. And I think it's so hard to unwrap my mind around that because unwrap my mind from around that because that's really all that I was ever told and when I came across your teachings it's like oh well wait a minute there's this whole another element of what this of what this is and I think that's the beauty of what you're bringing so I guess my question would be like where when how did all of this stuff that you're telling us about the gospels how did it devolve <laughs> it almost really devolve into what we what we hold today
2: I'll
0: I'll
2: go there. I I, I also want to back up like how we got the four, but um, the devolve happened Mm -hmm. uh, in the 6th, 7th century.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And here's we're at the point where the Roman Empire is crumbling. Mm. And the Roman church is the only organization left in Europe that can offer uh, a police force, a hospital, a school, uh, any sense of um, uh, holding a civilization together, the church became everything. And it's not that that's a bad thing, but also what happens is is that uh, the whole educational system of Europe is, totally falling apart, there is no education. And at this point, even the priests in the villages and in the churches, oftentimes would end up being the person who could just read or write a little. And so what happened at this moment, and I'm I'm making a, a conjecture here, I think it's an educated conjecture, But what we know happened at this moment was we lost the entirety of the four gospels that we know. And someone or someones went through the four gospels and pieced together sort of a lifeline of Jesus. And this lifeline became the 52 gospel readings that people heard at church every Sunday, every year. That's all. We didn't, the common folk and even the priests no longer had the entire four gospels. They had this beautiful, but very simplified story of Jesus. And when you have that, and, and that really existed in Christianity for almost 800 years, we, we forgot about the four Gospels. They were locked away in the monasteries. And uh, the, the, the monasteries had them, but you and I in, in our local churches didn't have them. All we had was the simplified story of Jesus then along comes martin luther and 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 calvin and they restored the fullness of the four texts to us but bless them they didn't know and we've only just recently rediscovered that the four gospels were not just four gospels they were put in a very identifiable sequence And the sequence is not the sequence exactly as we have it in the Bible. And so, up until the seventh century, I would say that people looked at the gospel as having four sequential chapters. They understood that these four texts formed a larger story by the sequence that they were placed in. And, The first person, I'm going to go back now to how we ended up here, um, because it's so amazing. The first person who wrote anything about the choice of gospel text is this figure that some of us love and other of us don't, called Bishop Irenaeus from the second century. (laughs)
0: Love-hate relationship. Yeah, I, I, I,
2: I must admit that I, I, I think he's gotten a really bad rap, but you know,
0: um,
2: I, I'm, I'm the heretic on that side on this one. Right. Uh, but Irenaeus said something that I found so profound, but so puzzling. Mm. He lays out this treatise about the choice of gospel text and his first principle is there must be four texts mm. the first principle is not we're going to gather together all the true stories of jesus i and i don't in any way want to say that the four texts are not true stories of jesus but it's like if we were gathering together the true stories of jesus there would be more than just these four yeah
0: yeah
2: It's yeah. true because I, I really believe that a lot of the stories in the other Gospels and in the Gnostic texts, etc., are true stories.
0: Mm.
2: Why did he say four? He doesn't even go to the point in naming which four. He states this principle that the Gospel, and he says singular, must have four accounts. And then he has this long poetic section where he talks about the four rivers coming out of the Garden of Eden. And he talks about the four compass points Mm. and the four winds and and the four this and the four that and on and on and on about this before. But he doesn't tell us what I think is the main thread. Mm. And I it was only digging and digging and digging, and and finding this material from the nineteen nineties, where we discovered that the great feast of Passover, her mm-hmm. Jewish mothers and fathers, mm-hmm. during the time of Jesus, was nothing like what Passover is today. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you and I love. I have some very, very, very dear Jewish friends, and they invite me every year to sit with them at the Passover meal, and they do a full Passover. They actually do it on two nights, and it's four or five hours a night, and we have the full script, and we do the script, right. and the singing, and the, it's beautiful. That was not what was going on in Jesus' time. Here's what we think we know about Passover during the time of Jesus. Uh, the family would gather, The most likely the father, the head of the household would be at the head of the table, and was going to lead the family that night in a series of questions. Now, this is during the time, and Glenn, I'm counting on you here to if I'm giving too much information and people are getting lost, just redirect. No,
0: you're, you're good, you're good.
2: But remember, this is the time in Hebrew life where they've taken in a lot of Greek customs.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And one of those Greek customs is, quote unquote, the Socratic method, which is you teach not by like standing up and delivering a lecture, but you teach by leading people through a series of questions. Well, the Passover meal had become like a Socratic moment. Mm. And the head of the household that night was going to lead the community through four questions that were going to be asked. Mm. And to the best of my research, realizing we're looking back 2,000 years, um, the questioning would be something like this. The head of the household at the beginning of the meal is going to say, we know that our ancestors were slaves in Egypt. And we know that Yahweh rose up, Moshe, Moses, to offer our people a path of liberation. That's the historical anchor to the question. But now comes the question, where tonight in your life do you feel you're locked down like a slave paralyzed by fear your heart strangled not even able to hope uh, etc etc and so and then everyone around the table would share in some ways you might even say examine their life right now through that question mm. this is so interesting because we think of passover as the recitation of a beautiful historical moment and then not in jesus's time
0: mm.
2: it's really a historical moment that we're going to make present in our lives right now by recognizing that we're not in egypt but there's a place in us right now that's enslaved to some fear, maybe some form of an addiction or some place we do not feel free. Talk, talk, talk around the table. Then later in the meal, and also in Jesus's time, there were very, there was, the meal was very simple. Yes, there was lamb. We're not sure if there was much anything else besides lamb and cups of wine. So later in the meal, The head of the household is going to ask the second question we know that those of our ancestors who made the choice to go with moshi moses out into the wilderness went to a place where they wandered for 40 years and many died in that wilderness Mm. where tonight in your life do you feel that you were wandering and perhaps in a death-like moment is it an emotional death is it a financial death is it a spiritual death what in this moment is like death for you and is it perhaps a death of something in you that needs to die Talk, talk, talk around the table. Now we move much later in the evening and comes the third question. We know that eventually our ancestors led by Ahran, crossed the Jordan and stood for the first time in the Promised Land and they knew The promise was true. Where in your life tonight are you hearing God's voice and you had that first whisper that the promise is true? Talk, talk, talk around the table. Now, before I do the fourth question, what I'm loving about this is the way that the story was told was not First you're a slave, then you go to the wilderness, then you hear the promise. No, it's all happening together in the same moment. There's a part of you right now that's locked in slavery, and there's a part of you right now that's hearing the whisper that the promise is true. So then at the end of the evening would come the fourth and final question and we know that with this question the head of the household will will take the last cup of wine and we also know that this last cup of wine was called the cup of elijah and that we believe that this is the cup that jesus took this is the moment very late in the meal when jesus takes this cup and pronounces the quote-unquote new covenant But at the end of the Passover meal with this final cup of wine, the head of the household is going to say, we know that our ancestors, having arrived on the land of promise, took 200 years to make that promise part of their everyday ordinary reality. As we leave Passover tonight, What actions are you committing yourself to for yourself, for your family, for your community, for your nation, for the world? What actions are you committing yourself to for this year ahead so that next year we might be in Jerusalem? which is their image of paradise. Uh, So the Hebrew world understood as a fundament of their tradition, these four questions and that they were asked in a sequence Mm. and that the questions form a map for our journey with god over and over and over and over again our life is always cycling through these four questions with god
0: then mm. these four questions coincide with the four gospels then, right but,
2: the, but there's a whole sequence of things that christianity does in four before the last thing was to choose the four gospel texts, sure but this fourness starts within 10 years of Jesus's resurrection. Hmm. So, uh, yes, and the last thing is, Irenaeus is saying we've got to have four texts that form the gospel, hmm. and we've got to have these texts in the sequence of the map. And so hmm. they somehow discerned, and I think rightly, not because they were looking at the archaeology of Jesus's life, and I don't mean to dismiss them, mm-hmm. but there's a credible way that you can determine something is true a few hundred years later when you don't have archaeology. And that is, they knew that the Gospel of Matthew has the question of how do you start? or how do you start over how do you begin again with that question of in some place in my life i'm locked down i'm paralyzed i'm in fear Mm -hmm. and this text has the teachings but also the grace to unlock us Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and to help us start on a new journey Mm -hmm. so they placed Matthew as the text of, in my language, how you face change, and the the text is incredible in that it gives us the internal stuff that we're all dealing with when we're looking at a change moment, but it also keeps reminding us that do not try to walk through this through this by your own ego, yeah. walk yeah. through it by the grace of something greater. Yeah. All right. So. We know that the second place on the journey with God is the wilderness, which is likened to a death. Mm -hmm. They discerned the gospel of Mark was going to be this text. Mark is really the text of how we walk through the valley of the shadow of death by the power of the resurrection. I like to remind all of us that these four texts were composed to a community of baptized believers. They, they were not conceived of for initial evangelization. They were conceived of by communities that were stuck, they were facing a dilemma, and they were asking of God, show us how to move forward, just like we are. So, the third text they they knew would needed to be a text of standing on God's new promise, standing on the sense of freshness, uh, greater love mm. or beauty, uh, deeper sense of relationship and 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 justice. And for that, they determined that it would be the Gospel of John, which is the Gospel um, much like the eagle, that John's Gospel soars to the heavens and gives us that great overview of everything and then brings us back to earth and says, the greatest glory is found in the simplest act today. Finally, they knew that the fourth text of the gospel needed to be something about like for the hebrews that 200 years of having arrived at the promise now making it part of their everyday reality and for that they discerned that the last of the the text of the gospel would be luke acts and it would be a text that would show us how to mature in creating the promise
0: mm-hmm.
2: as something that would serve not ourselves alone, but everyone. Yeah. So that anyway, I, let me just sort of pause it at that moment. I'm gonna take a sip and, and yeah. uh, let you ask me a new question.
0: Yeah. So I think if if I could connect the dots for our listeners, I think and correct me if I'm wrong, but we had these four questions that were asked at the Passover meal throughout the course of the evening and these four questions uh, kind of hit the center of these four different paths or, or movements and Irenaeus was aware of this he was obviously one of the early church fathers. he was aware of these four questions that took place and so he had a hand helping choose these four texts that magnified these the core of these four questions and that is what we're saying is the is the the four path journey of transformation. Do I have that? Is that a good synopsis of what we spoke about? It is. I
2: mean, Irenaeus was writing in one eighty. Yeah. His people were being horribly massacred by the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. and he wanted to give his people what he thought is the best text for their prayer as they face this mini holocaust. Yeah. Yeah. But he doesn't really end up naming exactly the four. His premise is four. Yeah. And what I find so odd is it's very rare when a Christian will say something, and there's not a pushback.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> it was like when he said four, it was sort of like he was naming what everybody already
0: believed. Yeah. It's like, of course. Of course. Been of four. Yeah. 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 I think that's a good point that you brought up earlier too. That nowhere does he say we need to pick, you know, the four biographies, or nowhere does he say we have to pick the, you know, the four. We have to pick all the truths of, you know, Jesus, all the different true stories or whatever. But like that's not anywhere found. But yet that's how so many of us have come to understand the gospels. So I think that this is a really, uh, really, really important thing. So I guess sorry, my daughter's playing Uno upstairs, and she's- oh gosh.
2: She's victorious. She's victorious. <laughs> She's so that's victorious. I think All right. so. <laughs> I <right>.
0: think so. <laughs> but uh, so I guess the, that uh, yeah. So with that with that background kind of in mind for the course, um what do you envision people taking away from this course? So they go through this course, it's seven weeks, right? Seven weeks?
2: Well, it, it's seven sessions.
0: Seven sessions. Uh, there's, there's actually weeks. one
2: there's actually one week where where we have two sessions. Um, But also, people get the recording, so you don't have to take the course live. Right. And I got to tell you, getting the recordings and all the handouts and everything that you're going to get is worth the price of the course. And you can take it whenever you have time in your life to take it.
0: And go back and listen to it again and again and again (laughs) to take some notes. The, The recordings
2: are not going away.
0: Right, right, right. So somebody takes this course. What is what is your vision for what they're gonna take away from this course? Like, why should I invest my time and uh, my, my finances in this course? Like, what is it gonna do for me and how is it going to help me impact the world and the lives around me?
2: So I'm gonna go back to a piece that I, I sort of started with. And I really think when we have a map Uh, especially in the painful days that we're in right now. Um, There's a place on this journey, Mm -hmm. the second path, that text that we call Mark, utterly chaotic, utterly a sense of up is down and down is up and I don't know which way to go and how the hell are we ever gonna get out of this place? And, I wish I had better news, except to say that that's actually part of the journey is going into that place with God. Don't go into that place alone. Mm -hmm. Go into that place with God. And God is going to lead you through that step by step to some new life that you could never imagine. And one of my messages to all of us on the planet right now, you think this is the end? let me tell you the map says this is the beginning and, and and when you know the map and you know how true it is in your own life you can you can see out to the life on the planet right now there's so much death all around us but this is not the death of ending yeah this is the pain of new birth Yeah. anyway so I want people, first of all, to come through this course with more hope. And then for some of us, I'm hoping that that hope is also becoming kind of an anchor in a rest and a knowing. Secondly, I want you to be able to say, as as people know, we've got this sort of language and I hope it's not becoming a a, a in-house clubhouse type of language, where people say, oh, that's a a mark experience, meaning that's a second path experience you're in right now. Or, oh no, you're having a John moment. You're having one of those brilliant, radiant third path experiences where your heart just bursts open and suddenly life is is all chocolate and roses and et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, But to know this journey is to be given back the treasure of our ancestors who wanted us to know especially in these painful chaotic times Mm. this is not how it ends yeah this is how it
0: begins yeah yeah i've been i've been following your work for was it i think i met you at wild goose in 2017 i think it was 2017 and i encountered you through rob bell's podcast about maybe a year before that and so I've been, I picked up your you know, book and everything. And I can say for me, I think your work has really helped me, like you said, understand that path, understand this journey. So understand the, the different paths in the journey, be able to identify where I'm at. And it feels sometimes like there's a lot of time in Matthew and Mark, which is kind of the, the entrance into the, into the change, and then the storm, all that kind of stuff. But the, to have that hope, like you said, that this is not the end. the story there's more there's more paths to go in the journey but it's helped me to appreciate i think more so the the joys of my life but also to i think allow the difficult times to to deepen who i am to deepen my faith um and to deepen my my ability to see things in the storm that i didn't see before because before it was just all about getting through the storm, getting to the end of the storm, but not really appreciating what that storm is in so many ways doing to me on the inside. I think that reading the gospels through these different lenses while I'm in these different seasons has been so helpful for me and so eye-opening for me, and it's done so much for my faith, and so I can't encourage our listeners enough coming from someone who has really tried to dig into this work and had really tried to unwrap my mind from around the things that used to be wrapped around to see things differently it's it's a game changer
2: so so can i add one more piece i i would feel people it's i think it's a missing link
0: Alexander. you you can add whatever you'd like you are well, alexander just, john shia
2: you know it was like <laughs> did you just pull these questions out of thin air for the gospels and it's like oh no <laughs> um, looking at what we now think we know always with a bit of humility and you're never totally sure when you're looking at 2000 years ago um, what's going on in the community of Antioch when the Gospel of Matthew is composed? What's going on in the community of Rome when the Gospel of Mark is composed? What's going on in the community in Ephesus when the Gospel of John is composed, etc.? The questions in these texts are anchored because each one of the four communities was in an utter dilemma. And they, they were literally praying, Jesus, show us how to go forward. Mm-hmm. And the evangelist, the author, whoever it was, led by the Spirit, I totally believe, composed a story that looks like the life of Jesus, and it's got the life of Jesus in it but it's told in a very particular way because it wants to not tell the story of Jesus, it wants to tell the story of Jesus around this question. For instance, and I'm just gonna give you one gospel as an example, for instance, the gospel of Matthew. Matthew was written to the Jewish Christian community in Antioch in the days right after the destruction of the temple and the massacre of the Jewish priesthood. and the the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. Many Jews felt this was the apocalypse, and they felt that without the priests and without the temple, they had no access to God. And the Gospel of Matthew is, you think this moment is an end moment. This moment is a beginning moment. And it begins step-by-step through the stories to raise up how we feel and think. We feel annihilated. We feel despair. We're standing with the ash of the temple on us. We're standing with these feelings that yesterday was so golden, and oh, if we could just go back. And we're standing with these feelings like, did I do something to bring this on? what if coulda shoulda or we're standing with this feeling like look this is all so big i'm just going to go enjoy myself today and forget everything else Mm -hmm. all of that's in the text and it's all so usual human but what's also in this text is there is a reality that can take away that paralyzing fear can take away that that sense that all of this is too big to handle mm. and that can help us move towards a future that we can't quite see yet yeah and and it is <clears throat> it's just amazing to see when you understand the stories that Matthew gives us
0: yeah
2: how this story that we all know because it's going on in our own lives is happening
0: yeah yeah.
2: we're all joseph who's tried to be a good enough person mm-hmm. an honorable enough person and this calamity falls him that he discovers his to be wife is pregnant which in those days meant he must divorce her because to not divorce her would bring shame on his parents And his first obligation as a Jewish son was never to bring shame on his family. He's caught in the dilemma of hearing God say to him, there's a wider world I want you to live. And feeling that yesterday is saying to him, you have no authority to take this step for yourself. Mm. In some ways, that's almost how all of our spiritual journeys begin.
0: Yeah. What you think is the end is the beginning. I like that. Yeah, it's so good. Alexander, we are uh, just about, just about I could talk to you all day. I have so many more questions. Uh, but the good news is that you have this course. It's going to be seven sessions. So there's plenty, <laughs> plenty more that people can pick up from. But do you want to send any, say any last moment uh invitation to our listeners to sign up coming right from the heart of the teacher himself
2: well i mean literally out of the seven sessions the first session is getting ready for it and the last session is a wrap-up but all yeah. the rest of the sessions in between
0: uh-huh.
2: will be looking at one gospel and we'll be opening it up as a life question that's going on in our lives right now and we'll be looking at texts and and characters in that gospel that help us answer the practice, how do we face this moment? Yeah. So if you would love to discover an entirely new way to experience the gospels, and I can truly say that until for some blessed reason, I started teaching this when it came to me 25 years ago, the last time this information about the gospels was taught was the seventh century we have not heard this in 1400 years yeah. and i believe it's come back to us today because we need it yeah join me
0: yeah i will be there <laughs> i'll put the links uh, for people in the show notes if you are interested in signing up for the course uh, the link will be in the show notes to the shift network We can go there and you can sign up. So, hi Alexander, this has been incredible. Uh, Thank you so much for your work and thank you. You've made a profound impact on my life and I can't thank you enough. So thanks for taking the time to drop by here and share it with us.
2: Glenn, it's my honor. And I'm doing this because of your little girl upstairs and my great nephew and my great niece. um, I want tomorrow to be so much more
0: radiant than today you are doing that, my friend. Thanks. All right. Talk to you soon.
1: Wish oh. I had a mansion. Wish I was dressed as fancy. Wish I on a pot and go with the rainbow by clancy. Wish I had no debt. Maybe then I can't flex. Going hit a run, I'm a check. Wish I had no other same most speed Wish I am no open same old my people Wish I had no better leaders. have enough to make our own land. Name our own people. and we bring our old sand. Where we live is so bland, so I much, bring. we're high on demand. Tiptoe around, throwing high lows. Feel like James I Brown, love bring. we going here to dance. Let me talk, at the end of the day, we know I who's bring. at a fault. We got our hands up, ready for a box. Undisputed got the old lock. Champion, go ahead, call the ambulance. I so wish. we said our own ambience. W T D G, train to go. I Let's wish. talk, no rambling. Wishing friends. I had something foreign. Oh. Wishing I had something foreign. Knowing that I can afford it, knowing that I can afford it. It's real love, it's real love, but I just ignore it. It's all love, it's all love, but I just ignore it. Wishing I had something for it, wishing I had something it. on my feet, everything falls on me. Then I start clicking my heels to the ride, it is beat, Need ever wanna follow my speed. Let's close those more keys. Hey. Carolina Rose on freeze. Hey. Wishing I could fly to the Keys. Hey. That will be more free. Hey. Something in my mind hit the door, put wait. on my fresh fit. Huh. So sir Charles, let's go. We about to go and get it. Uh, let me talk. At the end of the day, we know who's at the fall, We got our hands up, ready for box. Undisputed, got the own lock. Champions. Wishing, I had, King. Wishing King. I had something foreign. Wishing I had something foreign. No one that I can afford it. knowing that I can afford it. It's real love, love. It's real love. King. But King. I just ignore King. it. It's all King. love. It's all love. King. But King. I just ignore King. it. I I had something for it? Should I have something for foreign, I have something foreign. A knowing that I can afford it, knowing that I can afford it, is it's real love, it's real love, I'm but willing. I just ignore it. it, it's all love, it's all love, I'm but wish. I just ignore King it. King is giving a festival, I wish, King is giving a
0: festival, I wish.